0: Uh, over the decades consolidation had been talked about a number of times and so uh, this wasn't the first time it had been considered but we really um, you know did some real care and feeding we made sure that we had meetings with the firefighters you know on a regular basis to update them on everything that was happening we didn't want any, any surprises and we didn't want certainly the firefighters and the, and the bargaining unit to come out against the consolidation when many leaders in the community uh, were looking to see the, uh, what the positive outcomes could be. So yeah, so I, I think um, without that good relationship and those uh, years of working together, um, it would have been very challenging. And there was one or two other cities in the, in the, uh, within Sarasota County that had asked to possibly be engaged in the consolidation and it was decided that uh let's wait and see if the city and county could work it out we were the two biggest departments and see if we could work it out first before we brought in the other um allied agencies and everything and so
1: to the Firehouse Logbook Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Dawson, and um, most fire service careers, I would say, are probably in the 20-year range. Most retirement plans are you serve 20 years and you hit a certain age and you can retire, and there's a rare soul that's been in the service long enough to actually have two careers, or maybe three, Mm -hmm. and joining me today is uh, soon to be, I mean, within 48 hours, about to be retired, the director of the... Florida State Fire Marshal's Office, Julius Hollis. Julius,
0: thanks for uh, sitting down with me. Thank you. Good morning. It's great to be here today and uh, kind of reflect back on on some of my career and um, the latest uh, things happening in the fire service.
1: Well, first off, congratulations on your retirement. I mean, that's that—that's that's a you know forty-seven or so years uh, is is like I said, two careers. But uh, let's go put put ourselves way back in the wayback machine. Where did you get your start?
0: Well, I started right here in Sarasota. Ironically, you're. Um, time together with me today is right here in Sarasota, Florida, and that's where I started in 1974. Um, I went from the restaurant business to realizing that the economy wasn't doing real good at the time, and, and I knew a, a few firefighters, and they were bragging about how well they loved the, the department there right here in Sarasota, and um, so I went and took the civil service exam and everything and, um, I uh, actually had to go back and get my GED to be eligible because I had uh, dropped out of high school and went to work full time as a kitchen manager in a restaurant and everything. So I was, I was hitting the um, economic side uh, early on as a teenager, and then here suddenly I was 20 years old as a kitchen manager in a restaurant and seeing that the economy uh, maybe wasn't going to sustain a career for me for the next you know, 30, 40 years in the restaurant business. So anyway, I joined um, the fire department. They um, gave me an opportunity and right away it was go to EMT school and start getting ready for all the medical calls that we were facing here in Sarasota because uh, they had taken over emergency medical services about two years before I got started.
1: How, how big was the department then? What uh, What kind of area to the survey for folks who don't know Sarasota is kind of on the Gulf Coast of, of uh, Florida, south of Tampa, uh, kind of between there and I guess Fort Myers is kind of the geographics of it. Uh, mm-hmm. How big was the department then?
0: Uh, in the city um, at that time we were uh, about 20 square miles and five fire stations, uh, about a hundred personnel at that time. Um, so uh, we did mutual aid with the county. Um, many, many years later, we did a consolidation with Sarasota County, but back in the 70s, the city um, was um, growing very, very fast. And so they were hiring pretty steady back then, and especially since they took on the emergency medical component. So um, I was, um, soon after I got hired, I was uh, an EMT and on a rescue unit and so I would rotate to all five fire stations, and so that was um, pretty challenging. You got a little taste of every every district. So you didn't
1: you, you didn't have one fire district to memorize because that was back in the days before MDCs and computers and GPSs. You it was you had to know the district. You had to know what streets are
0: where in 100 and hundred blocks. You did, and and they expected you to know them too. Um, in fact, when we got tested to get, get off of probation. Um, at six months and one year, you got tests on how well your knowledge was of the, the streets and the hydrants, of fire hydrants and everything, and stand pipes and all that. So, yeah, they expected you to get out and get around and do a lot of pre-fire planning and know your district.
1: Cool. Any, um, you know, any calls that stand out in your early in your career, anything that, um, you know, everybody always has that one call that kind of sh- shocks them to life and either – turns them off to the fire service or really turns them into it and uh, anything like that from your early days at ring a bell
0: yeah I I actually had you know several uh, incidents that were sort of significant um, in my early years but uh, probably the the one that was the most significant um, we had gotten called in as a second rescue uh, on a a motorcycle accident and um, one of the passengers there was there was uh, two people on the motorcycle and one of them um, was very very extremely injured and so I was on that call and later on found out it was um, somebody that I had known um, and um, and and that person's father was on duty at the fire station that we ran out of and and, uh, they had passed away and so it was pretty traumatic Um, the battalion chief came and picked us up after um, we lost that patient and took us back and said you know um, back at that time we didn't have mental wellness and everything so it was just you guys just go back to uh, by this time it's two in the morning and just get back in your bunk and stuff and we're going to wake up um, the, fi- the, the firefighter it was the engineer on the pump on the pumping apparatus and. And, and took him out for a ride and broke the news that so. was the that was the
1: father of the motorcycle rider yeah wow. yeah well small miracles a good thing he wasn't on the call i mean i can imagine that's how traumatic that would be i mean bad enough that he was on duty and you all knew that person but uh like you said it was probably decades before ciSD and Mental health. How did, did 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 the department do anything at that time, or was it just get back in the bunk and we'd be ready for the next one? Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, there was a little bit of coaching and counseling, but um, you know, just to the degree of um, this is going to be hard to deal with, but you know, do your best, and you did your best on the call and everything, and you know, you did your best. So, um, yeah, just be prepared, and uh, we're going to move forward. So, it was just a little bit of guidance, but um, we just didn't have all the things that we have in place today. Yeah. Well, uh,
1: you, you wound up getting promoted in Sarasota, didn't you? Is that where you wound up getting promoted? What, what what drove you to get promoted and what was that process like?
0: Well, one of the major things in, in my um, early career there was um, I actually got on light duty one time. I was playing softball and um, sprained my ankle. So had to be on light duty for a few weeks. What did they have you doing for light duty? It's uh, always like the healing yeah, assignment. I, yeah,
1: I feel better. I can, I'm i still limping, but I feel good enough to go back to work.
0: Yeah, they sent us to the training academy. So I was on crutches for a couple of weeks and um, out was at the training academy. And um, I really started enjoying you know, what I was doing out there. And um, I said, you know, I wanted to get involved and maybe doing a little, little bit of instructing and stuff. Because at that time, I think I had about four years on the department and you had to have about six years to become a state instructor so I I started taking the classes and everything and um, that just kind of opened my my vision for you know they're doing some really neat things out here at the training academy and not just testing us and things of that nature so Soon, in, within a couple of years, I'd gotten my, my Florida uh, part time teaching certificate and my basic instructor um, certification, and started teaching at the Fire Academy. And soon thereafter, at EMT and paramedic school, and even the Law Enforcement Academy, I taught some of the first responder skills, uh, first aid, and all that, advanced first aid. So that really got me involved in training, and I think that really helped me prepare later on for when I took the Lieutenant's exam and captain and right on up the chain of command. So um, I wound up promoting uh, all those ranks uh, up through um, deputy chief and assistant chief and and ultimately was appointed fire chief right here in Sarasota uh, back in 1992. So I had 18 years on the department, but I was relatively young. At the age of 38, I made fire chief. So 18
1: years difference between when you got hired and when you when you became chief how different was the department in those
0: 18 years is now you becoming the fire chief How what it changed within the organization well it had grown quite a bit uh, we were up to over 150 personnel uh, so we you know grew by 50 percent um, we had now advanced life support at every station um, we were really a uh, one of the very uh, i would say very involved departments in the statewide and even some of our my chief officers and stuff would teach at the national level and kind of pulled me under their wing and that's where i got exposed to the fire department instructors conference and uh, other national events and everything so um, that got me very engaged as i was especially when i was um, captain and and, uh, battalion chief i was really getting involved um, having been an instructor now for a number of years, uh, got involved in all the statewide and even some of the national conferences and everything. So um, that um, really helped me prepare for my, you know, chief officer days and everything before we had, you know, many of the tools in the toolbox that we have today. Being a a young chief officer, you said 38, you got Mm -hmm. appointed to the chief's job. Mm -hmm. How long did you serve as a chief in Sarasota? Well, I was chief um, for a few years and then we consolidated with Sarasota County Fire Department and um, that was with a big blue ribbon uh, panel uh, study between some some of the leaders in the community and our city and county fire department and um, the county was growing and needed more resources. The city we had sort of built out and our ad valorem tax millage was getting, you know, about as high as they wanted it to get. So uh, there was an opportunity to help um, get some more resources to the county, but also then to uh, give a little bit of relief on the ad valorem tax uh, rate in the city. And so that wound up going real well, and it was voted on unanimous by the City and County Commission in a joint um, commission meeting in uh, late in 1995, and that actually started on January 1st, 1996. So I'd been appointed fire chief in '92. And so uh, just January 1 and 96, we went countywide. Did the, did the county, was the county's fire department a career
1: paid staff as well? Did they had a fire chief? Yes. How did uh, how did two fire chiefs come to be uh, the chief of a department? How did that process work out?
0: Well, we were, we'd been colleagues and everything. And um, uh, fortunately, we got along real well. And um, as a as study went, very positively, we worked with the, the bargaining unit, the, the um, local 2546 of the International Association of Firefighters, and um, which I'd come up through that local and everything, so we were working very positively with our management team and, and the union, and um, so when it actually got successfully approved, um, the county fire chief had several years more tenure um, in the fire service than I did. So he actually asked me. He's like, "Well, what do you what do you think?" We went for a drive one day, and uh, literally he said to me, "He's like, well, do you want to be the fire chief, or do you think I should?" And I said, "No, you got tenure on me. I think you should." And he goes, "Well, fair enough." And he said, "Well, then you'll be the executive deputy chief, and there won't be anybody else at that level. So that way, when when um, when I do retire, then you should be a shoe in to move up." And so we kind of worked out a mutual agreement, and then all of our um, other chief officers were mainly at the um, assistant deputy and division chief level and so uh, I was the only executive deputy chief and that worked out really good. So that you wound up they
1: created this new call it a title position mm-hmm. and you were the number two person for the whole department. That, it's pretty nice that they they were able to do that and not just kick one of you to the curb. How that You, you mentioned that relationship with the IAFF and the communications you had with the county chief at the time um could that have gone differently if you had not had that relationship coming up is that is that process developed do you think
0: i i, I would say so because the uh, over the decades consolidation had been talked about a number of times and so uh this wasn't the first time it had been considered but we really um you know did some real care and feeding we made sure that we had meetings with the firefighters you know on a regular basis to update them on everything that was happening we didn't want any, any surprises and we didn't want certainly the firefighters and the, and the bargaining unit to come out against the consolidation when many leaders in the community uh, were looking to see the, uh, what the positive outcomes could be. So yeah, so I, I think um, without that good relationship and those uh, years of working together, um, it would have been very challenging. And there was one or two other cities in the, in the, uh, within Sarasota County that had asked to possibly be engaged in the consolidation and it was decided that uh, let's wait and see if the city and county could work it out we were the two biggest departments and see if we could work it out first before we brought in the other um, allied agencies and everything and so I think that also helped because um, many areas will get several departments talking about consolidation and there's just so many variables from from dress code to uniforms to compensation <laughs> and workers' compensation, I mean, you know, you can name it. It's across the board, and so uh, we kept it to the two uh, major departments within Sarasota County, and that was that. That proved to be successful.
1: Did the uh, did the other smaller jurisdictions? Did they ultimately come into the into the consolidation plan? Or are they still out there today,
0: independent? Um, still, Northport and and City of Venice uh, are still separate. Um, some of the uh, other smaller areas came in. The volunteer groups came in and stuff. So, um, so I would say probably 80% of the county is completely consolidated, with the exception of, of the other two municipalities. And did, uh, did that chief ultimately retire? And you take, step up and take the
1: chief's role in the department then? Or?
0: Well, it, it, yeah, it was ironic. Um, about the time that happened, yes, it was actually going to happen. Um, um, chief Albretton was um, – given the opportunity to move up as the director of emergency services. They brought in, Sarasota County brought in the lifeguards and 911 and, and some other entities within the um, department. And uh, so he was moving up to executive director and they were moving me up to fire chief. And, and um, then I got an offer shortly thereafter from um, the barrier island, the Longboat Key Fire Rescue. Their fire chief had, had retired uh, right at this time very coincidental and um, they decided they wanted to recruit me to come out there and so um, they approached the county leadership and everything and worked out a deal and stuff and ironically I was within six months of retirement so so I had multiple opportunities Robbie it was really a blessing and um, I was able to sort of pick my next phase of my career so um, I've reached my, almost my 25 years, went out to the Barrier Islands as their not only fire chief, but emergency management director as well. As Longboat's not in Sarasota County, is it? or is it it, It's actually ironic. It's uh, half in Sarasota County and the other half is in Manatee County. Okay. It's a long barrier island of over 10 miles in length, and it's in, it lies in two counties. Yeah, it's a beautiful place, too. I was down there, um, I guess, when
1: I started this podcast uh, a guy named John Harkness was, is from the city, and I went down and visited him, and he's got a gorgeous place down on the, down on the key down here, and it's gorgeous. Um, what, was, what was different about Longboat Key compared to Sarasota? How, how was the organization different? Was the community different? How did, uh, how did that transition go?
0: It was quite a bit different because um, by the time I had left, uh, our consolidation had brought in some of the other entities we talked about, and uh, we were up to 23 stations. Um, within the county and and almost 500 fire fire personnel so now we were a metro sized department and um, here I went to Longboat Key and they had two stations and within two counties one in each county uh, and on the barrier island and um, so much smaller much more hands-on but uh, I was the first paramedic that was um, uh, became fire chief and um, it's very very uh, EMS oriented on the Barrier Island, and um, uh, one of the m- more lucrative, um, you know, geographical zip code areas of um, are per capita income out there. Many retirees, but um, a very exclusive area, and so it was very hands on, and it was I was sort of back like, you know, where I was I was much more involved in the operations again uh, on smaller department, and. Um, and I got involved with the Chamber of Commerce and everything so it, it was um, a great opportunity. I wound up spending 10 years out there wow. as their fire chief and um, helped bring a, a lot of new initiatives to the, the barrier island and um, our law enforcement. We worked very close with the police department out there and because it was so EMS oriented sometimes they would help us drive the ambulances to the, uh, the uh, uh, hospitals to transport patients. And so we did a program with our medical director. We, we allowed all the police officers to, to go to EMT school if they wanted to, and um, they got uh, an incentive pay to do that. Oh, wow. Well, we know all police officers really want to be firemen anyway, so <laughs> kind of helped them out there. Yeah, so it was a good opportunity. We worked very close with our law enforcement uh, partners out there and um, really raised the bar, and, and uh, it, it was, it was quite, quite an initiative that got a lot of Recognition by the community leaders. Did
1: you um, <clears throat> at some point in time, you also did a lot of work with the Florida Fire Chiefs Association. You wound up being the president of that organization too. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that group and uh, mm-hmm. how how that evolved in your career and and what it meant
0: to you. Well, when I was uh, uh, new fire chief in Sarasota, I, I had the opportunity to run for the board of directors, and um, I, I got on the um, the board representing the Southwest Florida region. Um, and so uh, I spent, gosh, uh, about a decade on on the Florida Fire Chiefs Board of Directors and after being regional director for several years and I had the opportunity to move up to second vice president and then first vice and, and ultimately president. And it was um, ironic timing because as I was going through this consolidation that I talked about and then moving out to Longboat Key, um, I actually wound up becoming president after going up through the chairs uh, my second year at Longboat Key. So that was in 2001 when we had September 11th hit. And um, you know, that was ironic because um, Little Barrier Island, Longboat Key, you wouldn't expect to be in any way involved in September 11th, but uh, President Bush was actually staying at Longboat Key uh, at that time. And wow. so, yeah, um, you, rem- you may recall he was at a school in Sarasota right. when he was told by his um, chief of staff what was going on. And um, so, you know, I was seeing some of it on TV and, and, you know, we were seeing the national news and everything. And so we realized that uh, President Bush was just getting ready to, um, you know, take care of the, these, these events. and. Um, And then suddenly he had to fly out you know and so um so we wound up being very 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 involved even from a small area uh, so remote from from new york and the pentagon but um at any rate i wound up being president of the florida fire chiefs that year and so we wound up going up to washington dc and making a significant donation to the family fund at that time yeah yeah that that whole event it would 21 plus years behind it
1: now and it seems like it to to some of us it happened yesterday i mean i've I've had people on and ask questions about where were they when that happened and uh, everybody seems to remember it just like it was yesterday it was a huge event um so so from uh so now you've had basically two career positions you know sarasota now longboat key Uh,
0: where did the service take you from there well after um i had almost a decade at longboat key on I was keeping my you know I was very involved being with the Florida fire chiefs and and working close with our state fire marshals office at the time as a as a fire chief and uh, but but being so involved in, in some of the leadership associations and um, going to all the conferences and everything and it came to my attention that uh, the Director of State Fire Marshal's Office, Les Hallman, um, decided halfway through his tenure as director to move to Oregon. And so that suddenly opened up where I didn't see that coming anytime soon. And so I was asked by the Florida Fire Chiefs, at this time now I was a past president, and I was asked to consider putting my name in the hat uh, among several other um, you know con- people that were being considered and everything. So uh, suddenly, I was in the, um, I let my city manager know at Longboat Key that this opportunity was coming open and I'd been there a decade with him with the same city manager, which was good and and he was very supportive of me going and, and engaging in that opportunity, so I went through an interview process at that time and that was in 2009. Had you ever, uh,
1: was that position ever on your radar screen as some kind of ultimate goal in your career path that, or would, did it? Did it open that day and you went oh maybe that would be interesting or did you did you think about it in longer terms than that
0: well ironically when uh, les hallman went in there uh two and a half years before he he left suddenly um i was i got a call at that time to consider putting my name in the hat but i only had like seven years at longboat key mm-hmm. and i wanted to stay 10 years there so i uh, i just passed on it completely but yeah it was slightly on my so radar. It was on radar anyway yeah So yeah, go ahead. And then when when it reopened and suddenly, and here I was coming up on 10 years at Longboat Key, ironically, and that was the um, point where I was gonna be fully vested. So I was just six months short, but close enough to uh, 90, 90 some percent vested. And so, I engaged in the interview process and, and a lot of the candidates dropped out right away. I'm, I'm not moving to Tallahassee, and which was you know, 300 and some miles away even for me, over 300 miles, but um, long and short, I went through the process and came down to me and uh, one other colleague of mine and, and he withdrew at the last minute due to another opportunity that he got in emergency management. And suddenly then I had the opportunity, was offered the job, by the chief financial officer and state fire marshal at that time.
1: Yeah, it seems like the timing worked out well for both of those. For Longboat, you're right on the cusp of the Sarasota retirement now. You're right on the cusp of the Longboat and fell right
0: the perfect timing. It was, it was uh, quite a surprise, frankly. Uh, Didn't see it coming. uh, And suddenly um, when I was offered a job, I said, well, I better call back to my city manager at Longboat Key and (laughs) let let him know that you actually want to hire me. I didn't expect it to go this quick. So, I mean, it was literally uh, all happened in a few weeks, and, mm-hmm. um, and that was about 13 and a half years ago. Wow.
1: You, you mentioned the CFO, and Florida's a little bit different, and fortunately through my, my day job, I, I get to see a lot of the structure of different states' organizations, and the CFO is this chief financial officer for the state of Florida. is actually an elected position. They, they run right alongside the governor and all the other uh, state-level representatives that person is
0: actually the state fire marshal by it looks like state code right yes that's the uh, constitutional um, uh, standing of the um, the the cabinet there's um, many years ago the cabinet has seven positions on it and they downsized it to four so now there's the governor the attorney general the um, commissioner of the florida department of agriculture and consumer services and then the um, chief financial officer who serves as the elected state fire marshal and under the CFO is the insurance commissioner insurance regulation financial regulation and many other areas um, including uh, workers compensation fraud um, there's uh, insurance fraud fire and arson and many other areas and then as well as the um, division of state fire marshal and that's
1: the that's the top position that you're holding for at least a few more hours that director position of this for the state fire marshal that's so, right
0: yeah. that's right i'll be retiring tomorrow and and we just we just announced uh, the promotion of our new director uh, joanne rice who uh, i know you're going to have on a future podcast no here, so be looking forward to that and so um yeah that's all taking place this week and um Ironically, here we are at the Florida Fire Marshals and Inspectors Association annual conference, and uh, this wound up being my last official conference um, as a director. So a good opportunity for us to get together. Absolutely. And uh, just kind
1: of go back just a step to that. Is the director's position appointed by the CFO? So you're appointed by – many states have state fire marshals that get appointed by the governor, Mm -hmm. or so you're appointed to that. Um, you've been through a couple of CFOs over 13 years I'm willing to guess
0: right there's been a few governors and a f- few CFOs and so I was actually selected by Alex Sink who was the chief financial officer in 2009 and then um, two years later um, a colleague of hers Jeff Atwater who had worked with her in, in Bank of America um, in their financial side of the house um, he, he got uh, elected to CFO and state Fire marshal and he asked me to stay on, you know, which worked out real good. I, I didn't know how that was gonna transpire, but um, so here I was just a little, like two years into my, my tenure and he asked me to stay on and he served six and a half years. And then Jimmy Petronas, our current CFO, was actually appointed by the governor to fill the last year and a half of, of that eight year um, tenure. And so, and then he got reelected, and now he's up for reelection this week. So, um, so it's very exciting times. And um, CFO Jimmy Petronas has been tremendous to work for. He's uh, came from the restaurant business, ironically, the same as I did. But um, A common thread there. Yes, but he, he was very involved in his community and the Chamber of Commerce in Panama City Beach. And so, when he became, uh, he also ran for the House of Representatives here in Florida and served. Uh, in that in that position uh, prior to being um, CFO and he's been just very very supportive of the whole fire service and um, firefighter cancer and mental wellness uh, we've just done some tremendous things uh, under his leadership and and he's been very engaged with the entire Florida fire service yeah, and i I, I got echo that
1: uh, just from what I've seen of but from what he's done publicly i know there's, there's probably tens of dozens of other things that he's done on the private side but uh one of those was um uh, garnering funding for basically decontamination kits for every piece of fire apparatus in the state you want to you want to touch on that a little bit because i think that's a that was a nice feather in his cap your cap the the whole florida fire services cap to as firefighter cancer is becoming or has become an issue and one of those uh, mitigation strategies as decon at this fire scene talk about what did what he did there and what the Florida State uh, State of Florida did to, to help those firefighters out
0: well thank you for bringing that up Robbie because that was a tremendous initiative and I will I will mention that my first several years um, with the division we didn't have any grant opportunities uh, of course in 2009 10 11 the economy was struggling and so there were just no grant opportunities and um Lo and behold, um, we had an opportunity um, a number of years ago and right right at the beginning of Jimmy Petronas' um, tenure as, as CFO and um, we started seeing some grant money coming in from the House and the Senate and with his leadership as CFO and he saw that, that we needed to support the firefighters and, and firefighter health and safety. Um, we got a million dollar grant the year you're talking about it was about five years ago and um, we were able to put together, um, working with the University of Miami, Sylvester Cancer Research Center, and the, um, the Firefighter Health and Safety Collaborative, we put together a grant and did um, decontamination kits, on-scene on uh, post-fire decon kits for every uh, apparatus, and we had about 5,000 kits made up. And um, all you had to do is apply, there was no matching funds needed and everything, and. They were about $250 um, value of each kit. And we gave those out to 440 fire departments throughout the state of Florida. We reached almost every single fire department. I think that speaks volumes to
1: his dedication and his commitment, because that, you know, coming up with $5 million in a state budget isn't a small feat by any stretch of the imagination. So um, do you want to talk about
0: your history? Well, yeah, um, and before we get off the grants, I did wanna mention that you know we've now developed uh, advanced decontamination grants where um, folks can now put in, departments can put in for extractors, um, exhaust capture systems, and other um, decontamination type uh, safety equipment. And we also have a volunteer um, uh, grant that we have a, a mil- another million dollars every year that we've had for the last uh, five or six years to help uh, for safety equipment, turnout gear, breathing apparatus, and NFPA compliant safety gear uh, for the volunteer fire service in Florida. So that's been another great initiative. And um, and again, without CFO's leadership, because the legislature could easily cut those funds out, but we're, it, it seems to continue with his yeah. leadership, and yeah. that's very helpful. That was gonna be my
1: question. So that wasn't a one-time five million and done. It's been kind of an annual Call it a bucket of money to mm-hmm. kind of increase that to those extractors and more equipment
0: and more uh, more mitigation strategies for that uh, that concern. Yes, yes, we're well up over ten million dollars wow. in, in various funding now over the, all the over these different categories, and also many cities and counties have been able to put in for uh, grants for assistance with fire stations and training centers and stuff, and another forty or fifty million. So the, the state of Florida has literally. Uh, put nearly 50 million dollars in total in the last several years to the Florida Fire Service for um, not only firefighter health and safety equipment, but for infrastructure and um, and training uh, centers in the state of Florida.
1: Cancer is a as a condition or a issue with the fire service
0: that's near and dear to your heart too, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, you know, we preach about you know the importance of. Um, decontamination and healthy um, you know health and safety uh, mental wellness and everything and we've we've got legislation in Florida supporting all those and over the last several years um, I got struck with it myself in 2014 I was diagnosed with leukemia thanks to our our life scans that we were providing for our our fire arson investigators and our fire inspectors and um, so uh, Fortunately, um, they, they detected that I was uh, having s- some uh, medical difficulties and got some tests and was diagnosed with um, a rare type of leukemia. Uh, fortunately, it was treatable, but uh, that was quite a scare, as you can imagine, Robbie, and but
1: that, that you, you discovered that through that preventative health screening. It wasn't a, you know, hey, I'm going to the doctor for something else. It was because of that
0: proactive, health assessment that you all were going through that's exactly right Um, I had no symptoms um, at all and I was actually on vacation uh, for a week shortly after I'd taken my life scan in Tampa Florida and I was in I I was in Fort Myers Beach uh, right where Hurricane Ian landed Mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks back and uh, I was at uh, our timeshare there um, and I got a call from the life scan folks and saying that my blood work didn't look right and they wanted to do another test. And so um, immediately got another blood test and uh, was referred to a hematologist and found out that I had a rare type of leukemia and I needed to go through immediate um, chemotherapy. And fortunately they were able to treat me with that. And um, I've been recovered ever since until recently again, I got another scare where I got some uh, head and neck, some throat, throat cancer and had to go through another bout. Um, Just back in June, I had some surgery. And then uh, in August and September, I went through another round of chemotherapy with um, radiation at at Moffitt Cancer Center. And so um, right there in Tampa, Florida. Um, So I've just been through with that treatment for a little over a month. And um, here I am at this conference. So um, thank the good Lord. But um, you know, if you catch it early, if you, get your health screenings and um, we can get early detection um, is is vital. And of course, and here we are at the the Florida Fire Marshals and Inspectors Conference, which is all about fire prevention, life safety. Um, And, you know, in Florida, as you know, Robbie, very, very well that we're an NFPA state and we follow all the NFPA standards and codes in the state of Florida. I believe that fire prevention is is the biggest solution to fighting firefighter cancer. Um, no matter how much decontamination, everything we do, we're still exposing our firefighters to carcinogens uh, every call, and uh, especially those that aren't protected by fire sprinklers and other protective features. Um, they're having to go in and be exposed to to smoke and heat, and and um, and and the um, You know unfortunately the the carcinogens and and byproducts of combustion so I I believe fire prevention is so vital in the fire service in our nation and that's how we're gonna uh, reduce and mitigate uh, exposure and firefighter cancer uh, in in, in our in our careers
1: I hope that trend continues and uh, I'll ask you this how how important do you think it is that the fire chief have be in some kind of, or have been in, or at least drink the Kool-Aid of the prevention side of the shop. You know, I, I worked for fire chiefs that had and had not, and I, I can tell you there's a bit of a difference between how they approached the function of fire prevention. How important do you think, as a former fire chief, it is that, that those
0: fire chiefs that are out there today drink that Kool-Aid? Well, I think um, you it know, kind of reflects back to our earlier discussion about, you know, what major changes have we seen in the fire service? and now it's not cool to have dirty gear um you know when i was a rookie w- once you had that first fire and you got some dirt on your gear they're like, oh good you got a little salt on you now you mm-hmm. know and there was no talk Don't about wash cleaning that. our Don't gear wash that oh stuff, yeah huh? you know it was dirty and and our, our helmets and everything i mean we were just being exposed to all these byproducts and didn't even realize it and off gassing and everything else and and now you know, we're talking about clean gear and decontamination and prevention and mitigation and and proper training and how we can reduce exposure to carcinogens and everything. And you've seen the technology changes with with clean cabs and all the changes in the NFPA standards and um, to, to really help get our profession to be more, you know a healthier profession, and um, so we can live a good career. Um, and um, and spend not only many years in our career, but many years in a healthy retirement opportunity. So, um, so I'm glad you brought that
1: up. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's important. I, I, I've seen, you know, I, I've had guys I worked with in my department. It got caught quick, and they were cured of it because of the pre-screenings and the health assessments we were going through. And knock on wood, I haven't haven't had that scare yet. But uh, haven't been in the business. I'm kind of just waiting for that next next. Uh, next physical to come out with something so mm-hmm. so uh thank you for that and i'm going to kind of try to start to land this plane now we've been at it almost 45 minutes mm-hmm. and um yeah gosh just 40 other things i want to talk to you about you know the hurricane responses that the florida fire marshals florida state fire marshals office has been involved with and this little organization called the retreads mm-hmm. that uh is closely connected to the florida fire marshals and inspectors association and uh hopefully one day we'll get back together again with the with the rest of the retreads and maybe have a conversation about that because uh you know that that whole thing of being retired and not taking the knowledge and experience you've got carrying with you take that with you I think uh, you and the rest of that group is um, leading by example by coming back and kind of dumping that epic resume to these young folks who are in these classes here today and uh I certainly appreciate that because i'm learning something from you every day i didn't know you were a paramedic back in the day
0: yes 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 and um and of course one of the other big topics i I think to maybe end on today is the community risk reduction Um, you got to share some thoughts about that so did my colleague joanne rice um, right here at this conference because community risk reduction probably is the wave of the future We, we have to get our every department we can't just have you know our leading metro departments or those that have a little bit uh more uh you know cost effective budget whatever doing the the fire prevention needs to be statewide every citizen should expect that that level of service and and if we can reduce fires in every community then we're helping our citizens and we're we're protecting our firefighters so I think community risk reduction will be a good topic for future uh, podcasts as well for sure for sure well I'll ask you the same
1: question I ask all the all the folks who are in in the range of tenure that you are uh, you, get, you get one opportunity to, to share a thought or a uh, issue with uh, the recruit school that's graduating today that's getting ready to start their career uh, much the same way you were back in the 70s. What, uh, what pearl of wisdom would you give them to make sure that their career is, lasts as long as yours does?
0: Well, I, I um, you know, having been a cancer, firefighter, cancer survivor twice, I, I, I usually use that opportunity. Um, you you heard me here the other day opening the conference and everything where i talked about you know we've got to focus on fire prevention if, if you do you do your whole career just in operations you're going to miss out on a major um, you know and part of our profession um, it's got to be a holistic sure we do have um, it was mentioned at this conference there's going to be disasters there's going to be you know hurricanes and floods and. And, and even major fires. But if we can reduce the the, the, um, the loss of life through fire prevention and life safety, um, that's where they really need to focus. And so I encourage all graduates that, um, you know, I, like I said, I started my career as, a, as getting my GED and, and taking the civil service exam. And now I've got an associate degree, a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and CFO and EFO. And I could go on and on. And so I tell them that the education just never stops. So graduate from fire academy, it's just that's just getting not even the first base yet. You know, you have a long way to go and continue to um, go back to school, get your degree, and, and learn every opportunity you can to uh, broaden your horizons and particularly to focus on fire prevention, life safety. Well, uh, I'll reiterate
1: that you don't only say that, you walk that. You, you walk that walk because uh, we're at a conference now and you've been in a couple of classes here this week so far, still educating yourself even with just a couple of days left officially on the job. So uh, tip of the hat to you for walking the walk and living, the, living that style as well. So um, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. As part of the uh, uh, live studio audience over there, we do have uh, your successor, Joanne Rice, who's diligently working on something. Is there anything uh, you think I need to cover on here that uh, we left out? I think between you and the director, you covered a lot of ground. Here. <laughs> Thanks, Joanne. A lot of history to share. Absolutely, and more than I can catch here in, a, in, an, in an hour's time. So uh, good luck to you in your new role and uh julius uh thanks for all your years of service to the citizens of sarasota longboat state of florida and beyond uh, the things we didn't touch on you're you're also the re- the immediate past president of the national association of state fire marshals as well so uh, yes
0: i spent several years on their board of directors and uh, just recently uh passed the gavel uh, to uh, mike derosher from vermont who's moving up as president of the national state fire marshals and i was able to serve two two-year terms and Four years as their president, and and just engage in national um, opportunities and and um, and challenges too. So, thank you very much, and thank you for our great relationship, Robbie, that we've had over the years, and and all your support. Well,
1: you know, I, I'll tell you that I'll, I'll end on this and uh, say thank you. Uh, took on this new role, and one of the one of the, two or three of the people at NFPA said. Go get connected with Florida. All of those people down there are fantastic to work with, and and they have been from the start. And it's uh, clear that your leadership over the past 13 years and as the director kind of helped shape that in the past dozen years. And I know it's going to pay off dividends for everybody in Florida for years to come. So cheers for that. Thank you very much. Well, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Make sure if you have any comments or questions or want to reach out to Julius, uh, drop me an email at firehouselogbook at uh, make sure you follow along on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as well. FD Logbook is the handle there. And uh, we look forward to seeing and listening to more interesting uh, conversations in future episodes. Thanks again, Julius.
0: Thank you.